those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning is the gospel for today. You heard it read before from Matthew chapter 5. I recall just these words. That is why you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us with a love above all loves, my beloved. What exactly is love? L-O-V-E. Now, this past week, a lot of people were talking about it on Valentine's Day. You know, when it comes to the word love, the English language is somewhat limiting because we say love, and that's all that it is. And um, you go to other languages, Spanish, German, Latin, A lot of them have specific definitions for different kinds of love, like erotic love, romantic love, brotherly love, patriotic love. Just exactly what kind of love are you talking about? The words before us this morning are Jesus' words uh, in his Sermon on the Mount to his disciples. And of course, you and I are his disciples of 2017. And Jesus instructs us this morning in his sermon regarding what perfect love is. Perfect love is a kind of love that only followers of Jesus can understand. In fact, the Bible calls it in Greek agape. Agape love is selfless. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. Agape love is not an act of emotion, but an act of the will. It is the choice that we make to love another person, whether or not that person loves us back. Now, with these words from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does two things in the message uh, today, the words before us today. First of all, he corrects some false teachings of the religious leader of his day, leaders of his day. And then Jesus gives us some examples of perfect love. The religious leaders of Jesus' day use a lot of the words from the Old Testament to justify a bunch of sinful activity. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, they quoted from the Old Testament. And they said, well, you know what that means? That means that if someone does you wrong, retaliate. Get even, take revenge. And so they used those words from the Old Testament as an excuse for personal vendettas. Makes sound kind of funny to you, but I can still remember this when I lived in the inner city growing up as a kid. And, you know, kids would get in fights. And uh, I remember one of the uh, neighbor ladies down the block, whenever her kid would come running in the house, and he would say, Johnny, hit me, Johnny, hit me. And the mother would say, well, why don't you just hit him back? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You know what those words actually mean in the Old Testament? It was God's law limiting personal vengeance. To make sure that the punishment fit the crime, 
and to help the courts administer justice, which was neither too strict nor too lenient, God gave those words, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus goes a whole lot further. He doesn't, to his disciples, just restrict retaliation, but he instructs us to show lavish, extravagant generosity even to an evil person who wants to harm us. Imagine that. He gives us uh, four examples. He says, um, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn and let him slap you on the left. If somebody wants to sue you for your shirt in court, give them your coat too. If someone wants you to, and sometimes Roman uh, officers would do that, they'd make some common people carry their luggage, their equipment. If somebody makes you, forces you to walk one mile, walk two. In fact, give anyone anything that they ask. You see, that's an example of perfect love. Now, the second false teaching that uh, Jesus uh, corrected with his disciples uh, he told them, he says, you've heard uh, from the, the religious leaders, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. And by the way, God never said that in the Old Testament. He did say, love your fellow Israelite, but he also said, love the foreigners too. Jesus even goes further, though. He says, don't just do not retaliate against your enemy. Love your enemies. Pray for those who want to hurt you and persecute you. I remember way back when I was a pastor in Illinois, and we had a pastoral conference, and one of the pastors told me, he said, you know, pa- uh, Rick, one, one uh, day I used to, uh, I preached on this sermon, and after the, the uh, service was over, one of the men in the congregation uh, shook my hand, and he said, Pastor, that was a nice sermon, but I can't do that. I suppose we should ask ourselves this morning, uh, do you have any enemies? And the answer is, you surely do. How about all those people stalking around wanting to steal your identity? How about all those people who want to scam you by mail, email, phone? How about all those who would do anything in their power to oppose your Christian beliefs? agnostics, atheists, people of other faiths that want to hurt and wreck the church and your faith, they are our enemies. Now, I would probably have to say this morning that we have a tendency to want to distance ourselves from our enemies, from those who dislike us and those who hate us and those who want to harm us. I mean, who wants to be around those people? Who wants to listen to them? Who wants to talk to them? Finally, we would have to say that the words before us this morning are not so much about us as they are about our Savior Jesus Christ and his radical love for people. Jesus is all about people and even especially those who are his enemies. Rather than excluding his enemies, Jesus took the exact opposite approach. He included them. It was all about including people, not excluding excluding them. I like one translation of the Bible from John chapter 1. It says, Jesus, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. 
Jesus spent 33 years of his life walking around in the mess of this world, dealing with all kinds of unhappy, dysfunctional people. He had equal status as God, but he gave it up to take on the status of slave to save you and me. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer him the left too. I mean, who would do that? Then they spit in his face, hit him with their fists, and some of them slapped him and they said, You Christ, if you're the prophet, tell us who hit you. If someone sues you, takes you to court, and uh, wants your shirt, give him your coat too. Who would do that? When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them four ways so that each soldier could have a share. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with him. Who would do that? He carried his own cross and went out to the city to a location called the skull. Give to everyone who asks you for something. Who would do that? When Jesus went to Capernaum, a Roman army officer came to beg him for help. My servant is lying at home paralyzed and in terrible pain. A Canaanite woman, religious enemy. Lord, help me. My daughter is tormented by a demon. The lepers, outcast, master, have mercy on us. Love your enemies. Who would ever do that? Who would ever mix it up with the other side? To that occupying Roman centurion, an enemy, Jesus said, he told the crowd, I haven't found faith as great as this in anyone in Israel. Pray for those who persecute you. Who would ever do that? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In our lifetimes, we're going to come across a whole lot of unhappy people. Angry at the church, angry at us, angry at God. They may be mean. They may even be malicious. And they won't deserve any kindness or consideration that we should show them. But you see, as Jesus' disciples, we get to choose. Limit our exposure to them or love them. We know what Jesus' choice was, of course. Just look at what he did with us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, 
begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs> 